Man, I hope you were able to be here last Sunday uh, for Easter, or actually not here, but around the corner at the splash pad. We had five baptisms, and I'm excited about it. You know, do you know that the Lord Jesus does not have to grant salvation to us? He's not obligated to save people. Not at all. So when, when he chooses to show up and change somebody's world from um, broken sinfulness to, to sonship or daughterhood, whatever you call that, daughtership, man, we need to bless him. He's not obligated to do that. And I'm super thankful that he is, is at work among us. Um, I think five baptisms is huge, big deal. Thank you to everybody who served. If you set up a chair or if you help lead worship or if you did the children's story or if you took pictures or video or whatever you did to help serve, thank you for making Easter possible. A big deal. Everyone did an amazing job. I love being a part of this church. And what happened last Sunday is a big reason why. Because we're not, we're not tied to this room. We went around the corner and we were just as much the bridge church as we've ever been. And the church is not a building that you go to to worship. And it's not a service that you attend. This, this that's happening right now, I love what's happening right now, but this is not church. Church is the continued life of Christ lived out through His people. And it doesn't happen on Sunday at 9.30. It happens every day. Jesus is living out His life through His people. And that's why I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. I'm thankful to see the life of Christ being lived out in His people. And look, maybe, maybe you have been a part of religious activity. Maybe you've thought Christianity was religion. And maybe it was boring to you. But when Jesus is living his life through his people, it's a lot of things. But boring's not one of them. It's a lot of fun. So I'm thankful you are a part. I'm thankful you're here today. Uh, today, we're going to continue our walk through the book of 1 John, if you want to turn there. 1 John chapter 3. This is another message from a series that I've called A, like life no, a Life Like No Other. Uh, meaning when we follow Jesus, there, there are certain things that we can do to make this life abundant when we follow Him. I'm calling this message An Incredible Love Life. Now, don't let that scare you. This isn't marriage advice. The kids don't have to leave the room. It's all good. I'm not saying that won't ever happen, but not today. I do believe the truths of God are best applied at home, though, in the beginning. But we do need to talk about this type of love if we desire to have that full, abundant life of Christ being lived out through us. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 11 through 18. 
For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another, unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. The first thing that I want you to see in these verses comes from verse 11 and 12, the first two verses, and, and it's that Jesus changes our capacity to love. He changes how big our love can be. When we meet him, he changes how big our love can be. And John uses this Old Testament passage out of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4 of Cain and Abel. And I went and read that passage the other day just to study it. Why would John introduce this passage with that passage of, of Cain killing Abel? And I looked at it and it's the whole story from the conception of the two brothers until, the, until where Cain kills Abel is 12 verses. The entire story is in 12 verses. And what happens in those 12 verses is Cain is a farmer of the land and Abel is a shepherd and Abel and Cain both bring sacrifices to God. And Abel brings a sacrifice from his flock. It's the first, the best of his flock. And the Lord likes his sacrifice. But Cain brings a sacrifice. And it's not real clear exactly what it was. But the Lord didn't accept his sacrifice. And so what happens is Cain kills Abel. And then the Lord goes to Cain, and he finds him, and he says, what's happened to your brother? And this is what he said. This is what Cain said to God. He said, am I, am I my brother's keeper? Probably the most heartless words anybody could say about another. Basically, he's saying, it's not my job to care about him. I'm not concerned about him. I'm not worried about him. And y'all, that is exactly where we live in our natural self. We care about me. I'm number one. You do you, I do me. When we're in traffic, I'm about to try to get in front of you. When we're in line at Walmart, I'm going to bump my cart up in there so you can't break in front of me. In our natural selves, am I my brother's keeper? No, I'm not my brother's keeper. But listen to me. 
when a person experiences the love of Christ, when they see that they are hopeless and desperate apart from Christ, and they look to Him and they see that He didn't have to die for us, like Andy was talking about earlier. I would punch somebody in the nose if they tried to nail me to the cross. I I, I would not do that. But He he didn't deserve to do that, and, and He chose the cross on our behalf, a perfect one laying down his life to a person for a person that only deserved judgment. And the whole time he was saying, I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. When, when you understand that love, when you experience that love from Christ, that becomes your answer also. When, when somebody asks, where is he? You, you, your answer is, yes, I am. My brother's keeper. I love my brother. Before we know Jesus, we have this natural capacity to love. I'm not saying you can't love somebody apart from Jesus, but we have this limit on how much we can love, how big we can love. But when we meet Jesus, He flings the door open on how much we can love. Our ability to love becomes infinite. Crazy big. Like I I begin to be able to love people that grind on my nerves. None of y'all do that. But I start having the ability to, even though somebody is... Do y'all have anybody grind on your nerves? Don't lie. I, I have this ability to love even though our personalities clash. Because they're my brother and I'm my brother's keeper. We begin to love people even though they say hard things to me. We don't, we don't become people that are so easily offended to the point of cutting a relationship off. Oh, he said my britches was ugly. We're done. That's kind of how we are. Oh, he sneezed on me. It's over. We, we, we become people who are able to overlook offense. We become people who are careful about our words because we want to, to bring, we want to build people up instead of rip them down with our words. We're careful with them. We don't, we don't just cut people down with our words because we love our brother. We're our brother's keeper. It begins to bother me when I hear people gossiping about my brother. I don't jump right into that conversation and, and, and love those conversations, but it begins to bother me when I hear somebody talking about my brother because I'm my brother's keeper. And I don't want to hurt him or her. Jesus changes our capacity to love. We can love in a much bigger way. When we meet him. 
Jesus broadens who we love. This is point number two. He broadens who we love, and that's in verses 13 through 15. In those three verses, the phrase brother and sister or brother or sister is used in each verse. You can look at verses 13, 14, and 15, and every verse has the phrase brother or sister or brother and sister. There are times in the Bible when the Bible talks about uh, brothers and sisters where I think about, I think he's t- uh, the, the author is saying all of humanity, but this, this isn't one of them. If you look at the context of 1 John 3, he's talking about those who have given their life to Christ. He's saying for those who have trusted Jesus, our ability to love the family of God changes. When I trust Jesus and you trust Jesus, the Bible says we literally become family. We're not like family anymore. We are family. We're not like family. We really are family. And and we enter into this relationship where we care for one another the same way a brother cares for a sister. You know, in your family, you may have awkward people in your family that show up at the family reunion. Best laughing. Because we got it on all sides. If you don't have any awkward people showing up at the family reunion, that probably means it's you. You the one that everybody else is saying, here he goes again. <laughs> but in the family of God, there's, there's some awkward people too. But they're family. In the family of God, there's some broken people too. But they're family. In the, in the family of God, there's some people that don't have it all figured out too. But they're family. And, and some of us, when, we, when we're not familiar with the church, and some of us who are too familiar with the church, we can't understand this. We don't know how to be a brother or a sister, and we don't know how to let somebody else be a brother or sister to me. But it's huge that we learn how to be family. I'm not telling you we have to perfect it today. But it's vital that we, that we are in the process of learning how to be family. Big deal. A few weeks ago, uh, I preached a message about up, in, and out. Do y'all remember that? Um, up, it, it's, it's kind of our strategy here. It's what we want for every person that calls the bridge home. We want them to be growing in their walk with God. That's up. We want them to be growing in their relationship to other believers. That's in. And we want them serving out in the community. And that's out. And today, this this passage of Scripture looks like it's focused on in. And it is. It's it's us learning how to love one another. Even when we're broken, even when we don't have it all figured out, it's, it's in. It's focused on in. But let me tell you something. Our in directly affects our out. If we don't love one another in the family of God... There ain't nobody out there wants to be a part of that. Uh, 
The people in our community have drama in their families. They have drama at their workspace. They're getting talked about in their family. They're getting talked about at the ball field. They're getting talked about in the, in the workspace. And they don't want to come, wake up and come to church early on Sunday morning to add some more drama to their lives. They need some relief from the drama. Our in directly affects our out. And it it can either turbocharge it to where we're reaching people and seeing God work and, and, and He's doing crazy things that we can't imagine or we can absolutely turn people off where they want no part of us. Just by how we treat one another. Our end, the way we love, has everything to do with our ability to reach out. People can gauge the atmosphere of the church when they break through the doors. I can. I can walk through the doors of a church and and see whether or not people are loving each other or whether there's a group that's set aside that's a little better than the others or whether there's partiality or or I, I can see if you can feel it if people love one another or not. You can, you can see if there's somebody on this side of the room that's upset with this side of the room and they ain't looking at each other in the eye and they don't want no part of nobody and they're forming factions and I want you on my side and I want you on my side. And when people are doing that, the world wants no part of it. And I think, I think that's why organizations like gangs are winning the hearts of our children and the church is failing because they're offering family and belonging in an organization like a gang. And the church is trying to form all these programs that are supposed to be fun and what our kids want is belonging to a family. Our in directly affects our out. Jesus broadens who we love. Our family's not defined by biology anymore. It's defined by those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Number three. Jesus changes the nature of our love. Verses 16 through 18. Let's read that again together. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has the world's good and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. I love this passage of Scripture because it shows, obviously, that people have used the word love flippantly for a really long time. You know what I mean? The word love is overused, and the action love is underdone. And it's been that way forever. We've said, I love you, we said, I love you, we said, I love you, we said, I love cheeseburgers and ice cream. 
And people don't believe it when you say it, and sometimes they need to see it. There's three types of natures of love in verse 18 that I want us to see, and that's, that's the spoken word love, and that's the action word love, and then it says to love in truth. Words mean almost nothing in our society. Like we've, we've, we've been so flippant with our words, they don't even matter anymore unless they're hurtful. But, but an action love moves us, it moves us past false compassion to really loving people. Like, like there's, there's times where I say, man, or, or I, I hear people say, man, I, I really love them, I hate that, but, but we never step into that circumstance. We, we, we try to love from a distance. But John's saying, don't just say you love people, step into the circumstance. Love with action. Show love. Do love. It, the action of love moves past this surface level friendship. You know what I mean? Uh, the, there's, a, there's a level of friendship that's just on the surface and it, it, it's never broken through. But the action of love breaks through that surface level friendship and really starts becoming family with another person. The action of love is able to have disagreements with another person and then continue loving them as a, as a brother or a sister. The word love can't do that. The word love is easy to say and it's quick on our tongues, it's easy to spell, but when we get in the action of love, it gets complicated really quick. Love can be complicated. Then John tells us to love in truth. And when I first read that, I, I immediately understood what John meant when he said to stop lo loving with words and start loving with action. But I didn't know what he meant when he said start loving with truth. And I, and I thought about it. And it's not, it's not that difficult because God's always concerned with what we do and the motivation behind what we do. We're so twisted with sin, we can, we can learn how to do the action of love with a twisted motive behind it. But knowing the person of Jesus, He even changes our motives behind it and we begin to start loving people for them. And not loving people for what they can do for us. Love people in action. And love people in truth. Loving actions with pure motives. There's two applications that I want us to... To gather from this, and um, one of them is for the children, just just for children in the room. 
Children, your application is to continue to teach us how to love like Jesus. This is another one of those things where children are better at this than we are. I love, I love going to my kids' we school and, and dropping him off and watching the kids for a second. Because you can see a little kid walk in and that brother's got his shoes on the wrong feet. Got his britches on backwards. He's got a milk mustache and a snot line down to here. And, and when, when he walks in the room, none of the other kids say, Mmm, if I mess with this dude, it might mess with my uh, image. You know, I might not be as cool. No, they say, Let's go play trucks. Because no matter how broken that kid is, he belongs. And I, and I love about our kids that, that they can have fights. Do y'all's kids fight? That Our kids fight. And I mean, they have it out. They might be decking one another. I mean, it has come to blows. It's over with. It's a big deal. I don't like you anymore. And then five minutes later, it's let's go play trucks. Because that's over. And kids, listen to me. You get it better than we do here. Because if it comes to blows with us, we're ready to cut the relationship off. You keep loving the way Jesus loves and keep teaching us that love. You keep allowing people to belong and let us, let us watch how you allow people to belong. Because we need to learn from you in that. Teenagers and adults, our only hope to obey this scripture is to connect 1 John 3.16 to John 3.16. Everybody say John 3.16 with me. You know it. For God so loved the world. I hope that was fresh to you today because our only hope of obeying this passage is understanding that God so loved us that He didn't just say He loved us. He sent His Son in an action and in truth on our behalf that He could reconcile a relationship no matter how broken and rebellious we are. He sent His Holy Son when we didn't deserve it. And, and, and you're going you're gonna to be in relationships where the other person doesn't deserve your love. They've actually hurt you. And you have every reason and every right to not love them because of what they've done for you. But when we know Jesus, He changes our capacity to love and who we love and the nature of our love. I hope when I was teaching this and, and you were hearing all that, I hope you were saying, I can't do this. I can't love people this way because you can't. 
this, this passage, the danger here is that, that you leave this and you say, I need to go love people a little better. That's not the point. The point is we have to experience this love and we have to wallow in this love to ever have a hope of showing it. Today, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never experienced His love for you, you cannot do this. But when you do, you may not get it right tomorrow, but you will be able to grow. You'll be able to love people that don't look like you, but they're your brother. You may love, you may, you'll be able to love people that are broken because they're your brother. And Jesus spilled his blood for them just like he spilled his blood for us. Today, I want to I just encourage you with what Andy said as a response time. I thought that was beautiful. Take one step toward Jesus. If it's, if it's writing a dot on that connect card, you do it. If it's filling out your name and saying, I need to give my life to Jesus, now you do it. If it's standing up when we sing the next few songs and coming to speak to me and saying, I don't know this type of love, but I want to, you do it. I can't do this type of love, but I want to be a part of it, you do it. Do whatever he tells you to do. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a few more songs to him. You respond to him. Dear Lord Jesus, we are hopeless for and desperate for your love. Father, sometimes we get in this rut of thinking that you owe us. We get in this, this rut of thinking that for some reason we have earned something with you. And, and God, I hope that the way this pr- passage was preached today, it was clear that loving people life th- like this has nothing to do with earning your love, but it's found in experiencing your love. Father, protect us from trying to leave here to go act better. But teach us how to just wallow in what you've done for us, where it's an overflow into our lives and into our community, into, into our home groups, into one another, where we're just, just people who, are, who have this intoxicating love. Father, I pray that our children would get to experience something special by seeing seeing how their parents learn from their type of love and and how we just begin to show this incredible, crazy love for one another that that when people see it, they say, I want to be a part of that. I want to belong to that. I want to be loved like that. Father, I thank you for what Andy said. I pray that he encouraged us to have courage. Whatever it is that you have us to do, God, the enemy attacks us and says we shouldn't and and he, he, he grants fear into our life. I pray that when you give us something to do, you would accompany it, it with the courage to do it. Be pleased with the rest of our worship this morning, whether it be in song or obedience. I pray we would worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.